You've made a serious investment in protecting yourself and your family. You've purchased the gun, the ammunition, the training, and even secured a license to carry in your state. You know the Constitution and don't believe you should have to pay for a right that you already have, as written in the Second Amendment, but you are law-abiding. Now you are considering the legal defense options you should have if you ever have to use a firearm. Self-Defense Fund is a comprehensive litigation membership backing you on appeals, legal expenses, court costs, and more, up to $1 million per incident and unlimited attorney costs per member. Discover SelfDefenseFund.com for yourself. Any weapon, any state, any time. You're listening to Resolution Radio. ResolutionRDO.com In the novel, everybody in the future is named after both Marxists and capitalists. In fact, the pseudo-religion, the uh, civic religion that is made up, a la Auguste Comte, is Fordianism the year of our Ford. And instead of a cross, they have a Tau, the T, for Ford, for the Model T Ford. Because the Model T Ford was the beginning of industrial revolution in the sense of completely changing society through machinery, through mass production. And mass production makes everything a commodity so that then humans become a commodity and become mass produced. Well, that sounds like Marx. That's because it's both. That's because it's the third way synthesis that so many of the global elite writers that we've lectured through talk about. Brzezinski, Quigley, on and on and on. Fabian socialists all talked about the third way, synthesizing monopoly capitalism from the West with various forms of socialism, Marxism, communism from the East, Eastern Bloc, Soviets, et cetera, Frankfurt School. Doesn't matter, ultimately the end goal is the same. And this is precisely why nothing changes in the left-right dialectic, because the explanation of what is really running things in Brave New World tells you that the left-right is a fake dialectic. Glad to be hosting the fourth hour of the Alex Jones show. It's a highlight of my week. I love doing it. And I want to remind you guys, too, that tonight, uh, I think Tucker will be mentioning the special that we filmed when I was in Austin with uh, uh, Alex and company. We also had a film crew there, uh, and we we did an entire uh, Tucker special. So I'm not the whole thing, but I'm a significant, about the first half of it or so. So if you want to head on over to TuckerCarlson.com or to the Fox Nation a streaming service. And if you sign up there, you can watch tonight's, uh, or I guess it'll be go- going live pretty soon. It's called uh, First Look, Let Them Eat Bugs. So go over there and sign up and you can get access to that. Uh, that's going to be uh, a blast. Uh, and uh, I won't say who I was dressed up as, but I was dressed up as a, a world villain who has a bald head. You could probably figure out who I am. A lot of great uh, segments and questions and answers and discussion in that episode. So really happy to have done that. It came out really good. So go check out that episode. Today I want to talk about um, the most famous dystopian novel uh, 
next to 1984, which we probably read in high school. Maybe they don't assign it anymore. I don't. I don't even know if they still assign Brave New World. But I went back and I reread Brave New World, and I know Alex talked about it. I know Tucker talked about it recently. He did, I think, a show on it, and I did a whole breakdown. Uh, on my channel, uh, uh, chapter by chapter, we did about a five-hour breakdown with my buddy, uh, quite frankly, of quite frankly TV, and uh, we went through the entire text. And so I'm going to give you that summarized breakdown today because it's such a seminal text, not from, in my view, an, uh, a whistleblower, but from somebody who was on the inside and knew what was coming, knew what was going to be the technocratic order, and wrote about it as a kind of psychological operation. His family, everybody's connected to, is part of these circles, part of this secret society, part of this network of the British imperial power structure, the Royal Society, that's running the technocracy that's now being put into place, that they're trying to push. And so when we go back to this uh, 19, I think, 32 novel, we want to look and see what, how he knew these things. How did he predict all these things? What, what was the what were the influences on Aldous Huxley to, prom to, to promote this and to write this amazing uh, piece of, of science fiction, dystopia? And I want to talk about how dismal it is and how I think, again, this is really intended to, kind of like 1984, it, it kind of leaves you with not much hope. And in 1984, as we said, Orwell was writing about the Fabian socialists, right? Ingsoc is English socialism. And there, the theory was, or the threat was Stalinism. Maybe we would get this heavy-handed dictatorship that would, you know, throw you into a gulag and this kind of stuff, which could happen, who knows. But what seems to be the case that the, the model that the elite have gone for is instead not this heavy-handed approach, but a drug-induced technocracy. A technocracy based around what Aldous Huxley calls utilitarian happiness principle. He says that if you think about it, the world in uh, Brave New World, the life that's projected, and it's projected to be the year 2500, but it's not actually 2500 in terms of what it's really talking about. What it's talking about is now. It's talking about the world that we are going into now, 2023, right? Great reset, all of that. That's the world that it's being that it's describing. And he says that you have to understand some of the philosophical predecessors in the introduction that he wrote. There's a famous introduction. It's not in every uh, installment. It's in my version of it. And he explains that this is not fiction. It's real. So we want to look at the philosophical influences. We want to look at the background. We want to look at how he got to this plan. And then we will dissect the novel uh, in summation. Don't go anywhere. This is the Alex Jones Show. I'm your guest host, Jay Dyer of Jay's Analysis. your life be like if you woke up each morning with new vitality feeling better than you have in years and you noticed a difference in your sleeping patterns blood sugar levels and had a sense of well-being overall there's something that is changing thousands of people's lives and you could be one of them it's called heart and body extract sharon harris co-creator of heart and body extract talks about the positive effects of heart and body extract what happens with the formula heart and body extract is it's giving the body the necessary vitamins minerals amino acids enzymes and phytoplankton 
the nutrients so, so the body will heal itself. And yes, the body does have the ability to balance blood pressure, balance cholesterol, clean and unclog the arteries. It can also work on uh, balancing the circulation for diabetics. So the body is an amazing thing. It simply needs some help so it has the tools to heal itself. Heart and body extract gets results. To order your two-month supply, call now, toll-free at 866-295-5305. Order online at hbextract.com. You're listening to Resolution Radio. ResolutionRDO.com. They decided to not perp walk him, not put him in handcuffs, not do a mugshot, because they knew that that would help Trump. Didn't they know this would backfire? We were waiting for the mugshot. We learned today they wouldn't have it, so we've made our own. And it says political prisoner with an image of President Trump. The shirt is being printed now in Texas. It'll be shipping out to you in one week. Political prisoner with Trump on the front there in a mugshot jail background. It's a fundraiser shirt. It says Infowars.com on the back of the shirt. We also have Alex Jones for president. No, I'm not running for president. It's a really nice navy blue, high quality shirt, red, white, and blue. Alex Jones for president. 2024, it's a fun conversational piece and a limited edition shirt. Great way to fund the operation. So get your Alex Jones for President and Trump mugshot shirts at InfoWarsStore.com or by calling toll-free 888-253-3139. Welcome back to the fourth hour of the Alex Jones Show. I'm your guest host, Jay Dyer of Jay's Analysis. We are breaking down in detail the insane text of Aldous Huxley, Brave New World. And we're doing that because in 1932, he wrote a fiction story that predicted everything that we're going into and where we're going in an even more dismal future if we don't stop this, if we don't wake up to what's going on. And we're talking about the philosophical influences for this dystopian society. And he says that, you know, one thing that 1984 didn't get right in his uh, uh, his thesis is that it's too heavy handed, it's too tyrannical, and it's not as effective to control human beings by this top-down model. A better model of control would be to offer the promise of liberty and freedom through pleasure and happiness. So control people through their base desires and through pleasures, and that's a much easier way, a much more effective scientific means of control through the promise of freedom and liberation, he says. And he says that technology and science will give us this, and it's based on the notion of utilitarian happiness principle. Now, what is that? Well, if you go back to the Enlightenment philosophers, out of the Enlightenment, we get a lot of uh, philosophies that challenge the ancient and medieval notions of things like a virtue ethic from Aristotle or from the Bible. And uh, we get Immanuel Kant, and we get Adam Smith, and David Ricardo, and all these different figures that really want to change a lot of society. Some of their critiques are good. Some of their critiques are valid of, of the corruption of the medieval papacy and these kinds of things. But that doesn't mean that all of their answers were necessarily the best answers or that they would take us necessarily in the right direction. And one of those theories as a replacement for virtue ethics was the idea of utilitarian ethics. And this is just simply put, the idea that our ethics should just be based on maximizing the happiness for the greatest number of people. 
And many of the people who follow this ethic were libertarians and not knocking all the libertarians. There's a lot of uh, good insights from libertarians. However, there's a problem with this uh, Benthamite from Jeremy Bentham idea of a utilitarian happiness principle as an ethic. How do you quantify happiness? And later utilitarians actually thought you could quantify happiness. They came up with an idea of moral calculus, the idea that you could calculate happiness points and dole them out and thus make society moral and ethical by making them happy. And Huxley says in the introduction to Brave New World that that's exactly the ethic that was chosen by the technocrats. Now you say, what does this have to do though with Silicon Valley and all that? Because you know, this is uh, decades before the rise of Silicon Valley. This is 1930s. Well, turns out that people like Sam Bankman-Fried were actually part of a group of Silicon Valley technocrats who believe in a quasi-cult version of utilitarianism. They were literally part of a utilitarian uh, NGO that they had dreamt up, right? And it, obviously we know that was a bunch of scammery, but it, it's, it's illustrative of the scammery at work in what Huxley calls the final revolution. Why does he call it the final revolution? Well, he calls it that because he says that this Brave New World scenario is the culmination of the last several centuries of revolutionary thought and philosophy. He includes the Protestant Reformation. He includes, he includes the science revolution. He includes the Enlightenment. Then the French Revolution. Then all the revolutions of the 17 and 1800s, all the way up to the present revolution of the fourth industrial revolution or technocracy. Right. So the same thing Klaus writes about in his 2018 book, Fourth Industrial Revolution, is the same thing that's being talked about in this book almost 100 years ago. And he says that what we had to do was exchange beauty and aesthetics and freedom for control and social stability. So that's why there is always the promise of security when you trade over your liberties. Now, it's a false trade-off. You don't actually come out better because you never actually get the security that they promise because actually the security here is the security of the biomedical security state, which is predicted in this book a long time ago. And so you become a slave to base passions, to your desires, to the technocracy, which is controlling you through not just all the means that we know about, like 1984's big government, but controlling you through happiness points. What do you mean happiness points? Well, ultimately, through the pleasures. We'll provide you a universal basic income. We'll provide you infinite entertainment, gaming, coom pods, coffin apartments. This will be the control mechanism of the future, he says. And he says that the important element that 1984 left out was control by pleasure. He says 1984 is like, a, it's like an ascetic, right? Not aesthetic, ascetic, like asceticism, the ascetics. So it's like a, there's a control mechanism where you, you get very little rations. You get very little uh, victory gin, very few victory cigarettes. You get a ration of chocolate each week. He says that that's the wrong idea, right? They suppress sexuality in 1984. They had the League of the, Ch the, the Chastity League or something like this, where you report on people for touching butts or something. Who knows, right? No, no, he says that it's the other way around. The totalitarian state maximizes sexual degeneracy and sexual pleasure to control the population. And what have we seen in the last several years since the 1960s countercultural revolution up to today with the so-called trans revolution. What is all of that? That is womb to tomb conditioning and control.
Ultimately, uh, Huxley says at the end of his introduction, this is the rebranding of eugenics and control. He says that this will bring order out of chaos eventually, and we will have a perfectly controlled world where there is no freedom, there is no aesthetics, there is no beauty. You won't be reading the Bible and you won't read Shakespeare because you won't have family or tradition or history that you even know about. Now, I made this point a while back because Bertrand Russell says something very similar in Impact of Science on Society, which is very close to what's in this novel. And he talks about how in the future, you'll, you'll be reading Shakespeare. What are you talking about? You're not going to be reading these books you see around me. You're not going to have that. Those are going to be banned. Fahrenheit 451. That novel's making the same point. <clears throat> Why? Because beauty and arts and the arts, the aesthetics, philosophy, religion, theology, all these things that are part of what we call the classical arts, they require freedom and creativity. <clears throat> they require notions of beauty and standards that are objective. And Huxley says this. He says that we had to get rid of the, the notion of telos or purpose in the world before we could bring about a super technocratic state that gives man purpose. So there's no longer God that gives purpose. There's no longer God that limits the role of the state. It is the all-powerful technocratic state, which then dictates all laws and morals and conventions and can change them arbitrarily at will that then makes man controlled and happy. And it is literally like a human zoo. It is a human farm. <clears throat> but as we said, to distinguish it from the top-down control of what we see in uh, uh, 1984 or Animal Farm or something like this, this is a pleasure-based utopia that entices you through meeting all of your bodily needs and your imagination needs through uh, endless entertainment and gaming and the matrix ultimately and he says that that will be the ultimate perfect control system so that's just the introduction now i did a breakdown on my uh, channel the other day uh, you'll notice that it's the the newest video that's up there up there it's got about 19 20,000 views where we went through his berkeley speech so 30 years later, Huxley gives a, a 1962 Berkeley speech where he explains how all of this is now coming to pass, and it was a plan, and it's not merely fiction. So go watch that. This is The Alex Jones Show. Don't go anywhere. Hill is proud to announce the release of a new translation, Leon de Grel in Exile, by Jose Luis Jerez Reisco. Readers of The Burning Souls will already be familiar with de Grel's life before and during the Second World War, his service on the Eastern Front, and his involuntary post-war exile in Franco's Spain. This new work tells the story of his life in exile in detail, replete with first-hand accounts from Spanish nationalists and friends of de Grel. During his time in Spain, de Grel did not wallow in sadness. Despite the atrocities inflicted upon him and his family by the victorious Allied powers, he stayed remarkably active in European nationalist politics and left a lasting impression on both his personal friends and those from around the European world who took inspiration from his tenacious idealism. De Grel's enduring legacy in Spain is well-deserved. Such a legacy also deserves to be spread to both sides of the Atlantic and beyond. Antelope Hill is proud to be the first to bring this unparalleled biography to the English reader, 
Get Leon DeGrell in exile today at antelopehillpublishing.com. intimidating do you think it's too much yeah i mean it looks pretty good but i don't know it's just a beard it's just not that intimidating dude hmm just a beard huh what about i gotta go to the bathroom dude that's intimidating man it's freaking awesome. You're on in five. Get your hair and beard formula at InfoWarsStore.com. Sexy. And intimidating. to the Alex Jones show as we work our way through the novel the we begin with uh the setting of London in the year I think 2500 ish and what's first noticeable about the world state and it's called the world state is that it has uh, 10 regions so we get basically the continental unions the the the, the plan for kind of a world order of federated uh, uh continents that are integrated into an overall globalist strategy of control. Uh, this is this is the the present government, and he says that uh, the first chapter begins at the London hatchery of the world state. So London plays a key role here in the future world state, and it always has because this is, as we know, the future world order. 
uh, of a Fabian socialist technocracy based on this secret plan of the British elites like Cecil Rhodes and others that, that he wrote about. There's a last will and testament of Cecil Rhodes where he said, we'll create this Fabian socialist world state uh, and that will be our long-term plan. Now, what's this hatchery? This is where humans come from. Humans cr are created in hatcheries in pods, test tube babies. You don't have children anymore. And the reason that you don't have children, the book explains, is because they had to do that to remove your connection to mother and father. So to destroy the family requires the government hatcheries, the super state hatcheries. And that's where we are now. They're wanting to roll out this now, the idea that humans should be hatched and they should be genetically modified and created out of lab-grown scientific needs. So this society populates its society on the basis of scientific rational need. In other words, we need more, uh, 24 more gub-gub uh, snail men who are basically midget goblin people to go and clean up the vomit and to clean up the poop uh, in the poop factory. Literally, I'm not, I'm not joking. Like they actually engineer alphas, betas, gammas, deltas, and epsilons. And epsilons are like the little slug people who are created to go mop up poop. The alphas are the alphas. Now, the funny part about this right away is that it's a rigid hierarchy where everybody wears color-coded clothing to signify their caste. It's a scientific caste system. But hey, wait a minute. I thought liberty, equality, and fraternity. I thought since the French Revolution, we were told that the revolutions were leading us to the world of perfect egalitarianism perfect equalitarianism. But wait a minute, no, it's not that at all. Turns out it was all a lie, it was a ruse. The revolutions were for the purpose of bringing in the final revolution, which is Brave New World. And the final revolution within three pages, five pages, is a rigid hierarchy. Gammas, deltas, epsilons. He says millions of them created Mass-produced humans. So wait a minute, is this a communist future? Or is it a capitalist future? Because the notion of mass production is a monopoly capitalist idea. But the notion of a complete collectivist society is a, is a, is a communist socialist idea. So well, which one is it? I, I can't figure it out in my basic black-white dialectics. Which one is it? It's both because it was always intended to synthesize both. And these people actually say that. H.G. Wells says, when he writes in, uh, it's either Open Conspiracy or uh, New World Order, he says that all the Marxist socialists, you shouldn't be railing against monopoly capitalism. It's not your enemy, it's your funder and your friend, because it is the monopoly capitalists that will build the global infrastructure that will give way to the socialists, to this. And how do I know that Huxley knew that and was party to that? Because in the novel, everybody in the future is named after both Marxists and capitalists. In fact, the pseudo-religion, the uh, civic religion that is made up, a la Auguste Comte, is Fordianism, the year of our Ford. And instead of a cross, they have a towel, the T, for Ford for the Model T Ford, because the Model T Ford was the beginning of industrial revolution in the sense of completely changing society through machinery, through mass production, 
and mass production makes everything a commodity so that then humans become a commodity and become mass produced. Well, that sounds like Marx. That's because it's both. That's because it's the third way synthesis that so many of the global elite writers that we've lectured through talk about. Brzezinski, Quigley, on and on and on. Fabian socialists all talked about the third way, synthesizing monopoly capitalism from the West with various forms of socialism, Marxism, communism from the East, Eastern Bloc, Soviets, et cetera, Frankfurt School. doesn't matter. Ultimately, the end goal is the same. And this is precisely why nothing changes in the left-right dialectic, because the explanation of what is really running things in Brave New World tells you that the left-right is a fake dialectic. Going back to the French Revolution, going back to when in the French Revolutionary government, they had a provisional government that they set up in the tennis court, well, the tennis court government. And on the left side of the tennis court were the left-wing revolutionaries known as the Jacobins. On the right wing of the tennis court are the right-wing revolutionaries known as the Girondins. They're both revolutionaries, but they're disagreeing over whether it should be a total communist Jacobin Illuminist style collectivism or a mercantile dominated capitalist revolution. Both are revolutionaries. And Huxley is saying that the future is the culmination of all revolutions, not just that one, but scientific revolution. He says this in the introduction. Protestant revolution, scientific revolution, French revolution. Then we get the ultimate future synthesis of the brave new world superstate run by 10 world socialist controllers, one of whom is named Mustafa Mond, who is the chief antagonist of the novel. And they quote, socially predestined people on the basis of eugenics and genetically modified humans, Franken-humans. And that's because he says that he says that when they walk into the, the hatcheries, there's just racks and racks and racks of humans. They have a motto, community, identity, stability. All reproduction is completely and 100% controlled by the state. This rigid caste system, which, by the way, Britain had India as a colony, and I've always theorized the British elite adopted this caste system uh, out of their uh, Indian colony. That's my theory. And he says that um, one of the things that the scientific uh, technocratic elite learned that control the society is that the whole society is actually kept at a, an arrested development level. So even though there's epsilon, or excuse me, there's uh, alphas who are very intelligent and very, uh, you know, muscular and fit and uh, have a lot of sexual partners and all this, they're not, they, they don't have sex to reproduce, right? Sex has been completely divorced from reproduction, reproduction completely divorced from sexuality, and that was the goal for population control. Population control is not just get the numbers down, like Bill Gates says. It's controlling every area of life of the population. Total control. And he even talks about weird uh, inverted relations, you might say, that all exist in the Brave New World scenario because uh, by the end of the second chapter, when we learn about the antagonist villain character Mustafa Mond, or maybe, excuse me, it's, maybe it's the end of the third chapter. Yeah, there's this weird section that I never noticed where he's compared to Christ. Because there's, this is the chapter where uh, pedophilia has been normalized. 
right? They, they call it child play, I think, something like that. Erotic child play. And when this has been normalized, there are uh, children who come to see the uh, uh, world social controller Mustafa Mon when he shows up at one of the hatcheries one day. And they try to say, no, no, get away. You don't need to talk to him. And uh, as an inverted antichrist type of symbol in the novel, Huxley has the Mustafa Mon character say, let the little children come unto me. So an, an amazing just total inversion of Christianity. So he's a, he's a Christ-like figure, but he's an antichrist figure because he's a pedo. But it's been normalized in this technocratic society as well as the continuance of youth, right? You maintain your youth, but then you go to a, a oven when you get when it's time to get uh, uh, euthanized. We'll talk about that in a minute. This is the option, so don't go anywhere. that sound? It started low, but it's getting progressively louder. Into a crescendo, even louder. Irresistible ending in an ear-splitting blast of mass disruption. That's the sound of America's economic and political systems crashing to the ground. But we have a plan. We will be ready to restore political sanity. We will be ready to answer the call of productive America. We will restore America's industrial base and put America back to work. We will shut down political correctness and restore decency and positive media to America. We will save our constitution, our traditional way of life, our customs, and religion. We will restore sound money and crush the debt-based system of monetary slavery. And we will end America's foreign misadventures. We are the American Freedom Party, and we have a plan. Learn more about us, theamericanfreedomparty.us. You're listening to Resolution Radio, 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 ResolutionRDO.com. If Alex Jones runs for president in the Republican Party, he has a chance of winning. If you just tuned in, you may be noticing I'm wearing an Alex Jones for president 2024 shirt. Uh, I am not seriously planning to run for president. This is an idea the crew had have a triggering shirt, kind of next level, Alex Jones was right. There's Infowars.com on the back, Alex Jones for President 2024 on the front. It's a fundraiser shirt, it's made out of really nice fabric, it's high quality, and it is a exclusive shirt to Infowarsstore.com. And when the shirts are gone, they're gone. We're doing one run of Alex Jones for President 2024 shirts, and you will have a historic memento, be able to spread the word, meet a lot of like-minded people and you'll be able to keep us on the air. No way, no way, that's a bridge too far. That's no, it can't be. And I said on national television that he was gonna win. At InfoWarsStore.com. Welcome back to the Alex Jones Show. I'm your guest host, Jay Dyer, Jay's Analysis. We were talking about the structure and the uh, makeup, the, the strategies of the future technocracy in the fiction novel, Brave New World, which is not a fiction novel, which is an actual real plan. That is rolling out right now that we're all living through. In chapter two, it talks about the, the ideology that's used for the conditioning of all of the residents, all of the clone hatched people. And it's called the Neo-Pavlovian Conditioning Center, right? So operant conditioning, Pavlovian conditioning, Skinner, Watson, Pavlov, that all goes into 
the model of how the humans are molded, crafted, and created by the superstate through operant conditioning. In fact, there's multiple references to what was uh, soon to be MKUltra. In fact, there's the electroshocking of the uh, uh, infants. There is the drugging of the infants and the society on a mass scale. They literally electroshock infants to operant condition them to fit into and be socially conditioned to this system and to this society. And I want to mention that, uh, of course, Huxley was famous for the doors of perception and an and early promotion of LSD. And in fact, Huxley introduced was introduced to drugs, according to Dr. Richard Spence, by none other than the famous British spy and Satanist Aleister Crowley. So there's a direct connection between Crowley and his drug diaries, as Dr. Spence notes, uh, I think on pages 20, 16, 17, 18 in his book, and the type of society of the aeon of the child, which Crowley wrote about, the crown and conquering child, the future aeon, he says, when Christianity goes away, will be one of arrested development where infantilism reigns. And that's exactly what is the society here. Control the society by keeping them in a childish arrested development state. Thus, they are completely beings of instinct, completely controlled by their pleasures and by the superstate. The superstate also utilizes sleep control, sleep mind control, called hypnopedia, where when you sleep, you're always listening to these weird mantras and these chants that control you. Now, we didn't necessarily go into that kind of a, a society today. Maybe in the future they will. I don't know. But the notion of uh, mind controlling people through uh, hypnosis in uh, sleep states and whatnot, that is part of MKUltra. So, again, we see a connection between uh, Huxley and MKUltra. And Huxley would, would write a lot of books and do a lot of uh, research and, and promoting of things like LSD. That would definitely have tremendous influence on both the Tavistock Institute and the MKUltra programs in the United States. So remember that everybody's named after all of these Marxists and revolutionary figures. Characters are named after Trotsky. There's a, a one of the chief uh, female uh, figures in the novel is uh, Lenina, the feminine of Lenin, Lenina. Lenina is a vaccine worker. She works to inoculate everybody. No surprise there, where have we heard of this? The, again, union of the different characters, there's a, one of the main characters, Bernard Marx, right? Lenina. Uh, we have references to George Bernard Shaw, the famous Fabian Socialist, which again tells us who uh, the novel is really pulling from. It's pulling from all of these revolutionary figures. There's another important aspect too, which is that everyone belongs to everyone else, which is interesting because you, you know you can't say no to anybody. Or who are you? How dare you turn me down, bigot? You must have sex with everybody, and you are in trouble in this society if you say no to anyone, because that means that you're being selfish and you're not being completely collectivist. There's no notion of freedom. There's no notion of individual creativity because this whole society is engineered and restructured around you being given everything that you want and need, mainly your base pleasures, to control you. And we learned that everything was is controlled through chemical concoctions. So MKUltra, we realized through the real brains behind MKUltra, wasn't mainly about creating some mind-controlled super assassin. It's not about making you know, uh, Mila Jovovich or uh, 
Scarlett Johansson, you know, go in and assassinate some world leader or something. No, it's actually about studying things that then apply to the society as a whole. So you study individual cases and then apply that to the macrocosm. And he even says that the water supplies are tainted. He says, we learned this from the Soviet techniques of tainting the water supply. And this was particularly ingenious. He says that in the past, this is, remember, this is the year 2500. He says that there was a past world economic collapse. And that led to the introduction of the world controllers. So the technocrats stepped forward after a world economic collapse. And he says that we figured out that rather than controlling people through top-down control, the society is run through brains and buttocks. Brains and butts. That's what he says, page 49. What does that mean? That means scientific technocracy rules you through controlling you through your base desires. Brains and butts. The society is actually based around constant and continual consumption. You do not have time by design to think and reflect because if you sat and thought and reflected, you might actually figure out what's going on, he says. This is the, throughout the novel, various technocrats, they actually explain why and how the society is constructed. And he says that, no, no, you, you, you don't read anymore. There's no books. Books are all banned. Why do you need books? Why do you need to think? When you start to feel bad or depressed or you start to feel down, there is a drug that you take called Soma, which is apparently, it seems to be a mix of like mescaline uh, or, or some sort of uh, narcotic and some sort of upper. So it's sort of like all three at one. And, and Huxley's later said that it's not a real drug, but it's kind of a, a, a fantastical concoction that he said might one day actually exist. But he said that um, regardless that to me, it would be the best uh, control mechanism because in this future, you don't need to do any kind of reflecting. And if you're ever tempted to sit back and reflect or to think about or to analyze the society, you take Soma. You take the drug that gives you a holiday, right? The holiday is the, the drug trip. But it's not a classic LSD trip. It's a much more of a pleasurable kind of, uh, you know, uh, escapism. And he says that we figured that out because that's the best way to control everybody. And so we combine that with a fake world religion. So the future dystopia here actually literally has a fake world religion. And the uh, world religion, I kid you not, is also a form of sex magic. So you go basically to a rave where the music is all synthetic. I'm not knocking techno. I, I like electronic music. I'm just saying that in the novel, he predicted that all the future music would be synthetic computer-made music. Literally. 1932. Well, obviously you have to have that because you can't have individual creative artists making up compositions and making up music because that would be undermining the very principle that we said of the complete control of the society. You can't have free will and creativity. And of course, the arts suggest and, and are based around human free will and creativity. So all of the movies are basically Michael Bay porn movies, right? It's all explosions and porn. <laughs> it's literally, it's like all explosions and porn. And, and uh, uh, that is also part of the method to control you. But I was really blown away, again, reading through this time because I'd read this Right, you know, we had it in high school, and then I read it, I think, in um, 2015. And reading it again, there's so much more that I caught that I didn't catch the previous times through. 
particularly all the references to MKUltra, all the references to Malthusianism. They, have, they actually have a ritual mantra that they repeat called the Malthusian drill. And the liturgy that you go to, the worship service, is a new world religion that was created by the technocrats that is a rave dance service, literally. And you have an orgy called the orgy-porgy. And the sacrament that you take is the soma drug. And when you take the soma, you read these, these uh, you chant out these uh, phrases and these, these words to become one with everyone else because you're having an orgy. Okay. And the odd part, part is that it does acknowledge a deity, but it's a deity according to uh, characters who are named after Marxists. They talk about uh, these, these made-up figures in the novel, named after Engels, named after Bakunin, and named after other figures uh, like, says, uh, there's a reference to the 12 apostles. And the 12 apostles ritual is where you go in this orgy and you chant out to the greater being. So they believe in a supreme being, but it's always undefined. It's very generic, which is also kind of an idea of a Masonic deity, right? The supreme being. And then the sacrament that you take is a, a hallucinogen in the middle of the orgy porgy ritual. Orgy porgy, Ford and fun. So instead of our Lord, it's our Ford. Kiss the girls and make them one. Boys at one with girls at peace. Orgy Porgy gives release. Orgy Porgy, he says, is the liturgical refrain. Liturgy. So there you know exactly what I said and exactly the world that we're going into is planned by these people and it's in all the books. But people don't read anymore. That's why we don't know what's going on. We just don't know because we are kept ignorant. This is The Alex Jones Show. I am Jay Dyer of Jay's Analysis. The Occidental Quarterly fills a unique niche in bringing together scholarly articles on a wide range of topics that are mired in political correctness elsewhere. It is edited by Professor Kevin McDonald, who's no stranger to listeners of the political cesspool. There are quite a few reasons for the precarious state of our civilization and our people. But one of the main ones is that we have lost the intellectual and moral high ground to a cultural elite that is hostile to our people and our culture. Those of us who are politically aware must understand that the elites dominating culture and the political process in the West are intellectually and morally bankrupt. TOQ is the key. Digital download subscriptions are only $30 a year. Subscriptions by first-class mail are only $60 a year. Go to toqonline.com and click on subscribe now. In addition to receiving fascinating and informative articles, you will also be supporting the work of scholars who are part of a community defending our people and our culture with the highest level of integrity and intellectual sophistication. That's toqonline.com. Subscribe now. You're listening to Resolution Radio. Radio. ResolutionRDO.com. That's the thing about the left. It doesn't matter how discredited or debunked any of their narratives get, they will always return to them as if no one has ever raised the question. I'll give you an example. COVID-19 vaccination, Alex, absolutely effective and perfectly safe. They're just ignoring the mountain of information now that disproves that as if we haven't heard it, as if it's not true. They always return to their same fake narrative and they double down. And when you have a near monopoly uh, on the output of information as they have had uh, until recently, uh, it makes it a lot easier. They decided to not perp walking, not put him in handcuffs, not do a mugshot because they knew that that would help Trump. 
didn't they know this would backfire? We were waiting for the mugshot. We learned today they wouldn't have it, so we've made our own. And it says political prisoner with an image of President Trump. The shirt is being printed now in Texas. It'll be shipping out to you in one week. Political prisoner with Trump on the front there in a mugshot jail background. It's a fundraiser shirt. It says Infowars.com on the back of the shirt. We also have Alex Jones for president. No, I'm not running for president. It's a really nice navy blue, high quality shirt, red, white, and blue. Alex Jones for president 2024. It's a fun conversational piece and a limited edition shirt. Great way to fund the operation. So get your Alex Jones for president and Trump mugshot shirts at InfoWarsStore.com or by calling toll-free 888-253-3139. And two other things. We're selling out of DNA Force. Won't get more for three, four months. It's an amazing product. We're selling out a real red pill, an incredible product. Despite that, we need the funds. They're both 40% off despite the fact they're selling out. Check those products out at InfoWarsStore.com. Listen, do you hear that sound? It started low, but it's getting progressively louder. Into a crescendo, even louder. Irresistible, ending in an ear-splitting blast of mass disruption. That's the sound of America's economic and political systems crashing to the ground. But we have a plan. We will be ready to restore political sanity. We will be ready to answer the call of productive America. We will restore America's industrial base and put America back to work. We will shut down political correctness and restore decency and positive media to America. We will save our constitution, our traditional way of life, our customs, and religion. We will restore sound money and crush the debt-based system of monetary slavery. And we will end America's foreign misadventures. We are the American Freedom Party, and we have a plan. Learn more about us, the American Freedom Party, dot US. You're listening to Resolution Radio, Radio, Radio. ResolutionRDO.com.